Welcome, flower friends, to the Local Flowers Podcast, where you'll fall in love with local seasonal blooms even more by hearing the stories from flower farmers new and experienced. I'm your host, Rochelle, from Freckled Bloom Flower Farm. Welcome. Welcome back, flower friends, to week four of the 2023 season. So it's been actually really beautiful here. Uh, It feels like spring. The birds are chirping. I can go outside and work and not have to have like 70 million layers on. And for all of you that do, I'm so sorry. And um, yeah, it's been really beautiful here this week and I've just spent a lot of time cleaning up the garden and the field of all the stuff that needs trimmed. Like I trimmed all the old growth off my hellebores as the new growth and the blooms are starting to come up and just really cleaning up around the farm. But something that I also want to just highlight is as flower farmers, we are running hard. Like I I guess I'll speak for myself. I feel like summer, fall, like I was running off of adrenaline and I just kept pushing. But I really in the last month have felt just completely out of energy. I don't have any ambition to do anything. Like I know I have my to-do list and I got to get it done and I push through it, but I am tired. And I'm here to just say, if you can sleep in and just really relax like our bodies are trying to tell us something like take it easy get the rest in really take this time to just if you have the time to do it to just chill and watch some tv read a book and sleep take a nap because we need this time to really recharge our souls and reflect It's really hard. I know everybody, as I'm looking on Instagram, they're posting pictures of their flowers. Like, we all are missing them hard. And the seasonal depression this year for me has been probably the worst I've ever had. Like, I am really struggling. And these days where it's really mild outside, uh, I just want flowers. Like, I, I need it for my soul. And then you wake up in the morning and there's frost. And it just puts such a damper on my mood. So if you're there, we're not, I don't, you're not alone. I think we're all there, especially if we really connect with nature and it fuels our soul. Like it's, it's difficult. So even if it's, you know, I've, I have found that if I can get outside, I just, I have to get up, get over that hump of getting outside and getting my hands in the dirt. Even if it's like one or two things I've accomplished, like that's, it fuels my soul. I've also been doing a lot of podcast interviews and I am so inspired. I just, this is why I'm doing this podcast and you'll hear me say it over and over again. So apologies, but I hope I'm getting the message across is these voices need to be heard. And I have why I started the podcast is I felt that I wasn't hearing the stories of my fellow flower farmers. And, you know, flower farming is very isolating. And it's just nice to know that I'm not alone. And these conversations are just making my heart sing because I feel like at all levels, each one of my guests so far have contributed to the conversation at all kinds of different levels from being a mother while flower farming, uh, making a big move in your life, uh, 
starting new, growing gradually. And what I'm really absorbing from these conversations, and I've seen this a lot on social media. So most of us that are probably in year two or year three are feeling like, okay, I am past like go. I need to be making money. I got to do all these things. I got to buy all these dahlias. I got to have all of the best of the best of the best. And as I'm having this conversation with our fellow flower farmers, I'm really narrowing in on the fact that um, it's, it's okay to go slow and to really figure out what, what sales outlets that you want to be successful in. Uh, what flowers that you want to grow that your customers want and if you have a family like no need to like hit 500 miles per hour like take the time to figure out what your niche is and grow from there and there's just I feel like lately especially because probably people are doing taxes that there's so much pressure of oh my goodness I am not making money and you know I came from a corporate job and had a very great rate wage and there's no way in heck that I'm making that flower farming Um, but most of us get into this not to have that corporate job we get into this occupation because we love flowers we love bringing the emotion that flowers provide to our communities to our neighbors to our friends to ourselves to our family and I think that we need to be reminded of that and if you have the fortunate experience of having a spouse that has a job with health insurance like it's okay if this is just a side hustle like nobody's saying that I feel like online that you have to you have to make six figures at this Maybe you don't. Maybe you just need to enjoy your life and grow gradually and stay in a, you know, in this box that gives you the balance emotionally, physically, and financially. Um, And I just feel like nobody's really saying that. So here you go. If you're in that position, I've said it. And um, if you are making like the six figures, good for you like that's incredible like great job but I just want the message to be out there to folks that have started and probably are in this position of like feeling like I'm not growing enough uh, that you know you get to evolve at your own pace and that is okay and just really take to heart why you're doing this And really think about the future and how you want to grow without the lens of Instagram or others in their season 10, 20. Uh, This is your journey and you get to own it. Be proud of it. I think too often we get stuck in this hole of comparison against others and I do. I do all the time. It's super hard. Uh, But I have to like step back and that's where this podcast and talking with these other flower farmer friends has really kind of opened my eyes to all the anxiety I've had, all the insecurities I've had. Uh, Just put it into perspective that, you know, I do have kids that are, I like my oldest, I only have six years left with him before he graduates and 
insert trying not to cry right now. But, you know, I, I came to this at a later stage in my life and um, I want to grow this passion, but I don't want to grow it at the expense of my kids. Like I still want to have those wonderful memories with them and go on a vacation in the summertime, do the camping like we used to before I dived into flowers. And so what do I need to change so that I have that? And it's going to be an evolution. Like there's no answers here. I'm going to have to figure this out. But if you're there with me, just know you're not alone. And let's have this conversation together because as we talk through it with friends, this is what I've found. It helps. And I don't know about you guys, but there's nobody in my life that I can talk through this without them truly understanding how I feel other than my flower farmer friends. So please DM me, join the conversation. Uh, let's, let's get you on the podcast. I know I mentioned Valentine's last week, but I've been like dreading it. Like, what am I going to do for Valentine's Day? I'm not going to have fresh cut flowers. Like, I I know I'm going to have to get creative with it, but I'm also like feeling like I don't want to. Like, I feel so just over Valentine's Day. And my birthday is in February, so Valentine's Day always was my favorite holiday because it was around the time of my birthday. Uh, it involved the color pink, which is my favorite. And around here, like it was usually a beautiful sunny day on the cusp of just everything was about ready to bloom. And so Valentine's Day always was such a happy holiday for me. But now like growing local flowers, it's become not so happy because I just feel like the market is flooded with all these roses that there's just so many other beautiful flowers out there but they're not exactly ready unless you're growing them in a greenhouse and you've forced bulbs for instance so I just I've really struggled lately just like what am I going to do for Valentine's Day and I'm not sure I'm going to do anything to be perfectly honest other than continue to promote my subscription but I think it's okay it's I I know that folks get in this as well during Christmas with Reese and seeing online everybody doing Reese and feeling like they have to do them as well. I choose not to because I live in the Christmas tree capital of the world and we sell Christmas trees wholesale and I'm not going to add Reese on top of that. Plus everybody and their sisters selling Reese and having wreath workshops around here. So it isn't worth my time because people don't, I mean, you could buy a wreath from the guy on the side of the street for 20 bucks. So it's not worth my time and resources to do. So I guess the message is, and I'm quantifying in my brain that it's okay to not do everything and to focus on Mother's Day, for instance. That's something that I can really put my attention to because I will have fresh cut flowers and I can do some really cool things. So there you go. Thoughts on Valentine's Day again. <laughs> and to make matters worse, I was at a, I'm not going to call it out, big box store. And next to the roses, here I see this black box of red roses. And it says for only 
$139.99, you can give your Valentine Forever Roses. They will last over one year if you display them in a cool, dry place away from direct sunlight, and they require no maintenance at home. Like, oh, you want to talk about, it got my blood boiling like what not, flowers are not forever what why would I don't even know what actually they're made of um I didn't get more from other than what was on the poster trying to sell them but please this is why it's so important that we get our message out there about local flowers I know that we have um a great company here in Oregon, Peter Court Roses, and they raise the most beautiful roses ever. And there's so many options that are much better than this stuff that's not even real. I'm sure as Valentine's Day gets closer, this will be a highlight on the podcast. And I'm sure most of you are feeling the same. So I know I'm here in a safe place amongst my flower friends. At the end of this week, it is my father's 70th birthday. Happy birthday, Earl. Um, So my family's coming into town and we're going to be doing cheerleading and basketball and then try to go uh, tubing in the snow. So gearing up for having company at my house. And a huge shout out to Matthew for another dump trailer full of compost. Thank you, my husband. It's his favorite job when I ask him, can you pretty, pretty, pretty please get me a load of compost? Yeah, and just spreading it on kind of my garden areas. So my farm is very muddy. If there's a drop of rain, it turns to instant mud. And what I found is when I line my beds and my pathways with um, compost, that it just helps to keep the mud at bay. Also, I was digging up the spot for my Japanese maple to be moved to and the spot where I had layered compost on top of our clay mud soil, when I dug down into the soil, there was like a plethora of earthworms where I had layered the compost. Where it was just clay mud, there were zero earthworms, like no life in that soil. So right there, my family keeps telling me that I'm adding too much compost. But you know what? It looks nice and I beg to differ. I think it's adding amazing biodiversity to my soil and I don't have to walk around with mud caked on my boots. And when you have gravel, like a gravel driveway, nothing's better than having to walk from one field to another field with mud caked on your boots in the gravel and then have gravel and mud caked on your boots. And while we're on the topic of compost, I want to talk through this a little bit more. So this is where, you know, we are following a lot of accounts, trying to find inspiration, trying to get advice on what the heck we're doing growing these flowers. And if you're following any type of flower farming accounts, most are using compost to line their beds or if they're doing no-till and so I got stuck in this as well that you know this is what I was seeing this is the movement that we're raising these flowers organically or naturally um, that compost is an option what I saw on multiple accounts last season was there were some contamination with 
folks that were using compost. And this is where it's challenging when we are trying to gather this knowledge ourselves without kind of truly understanding the science. And I played victim to this. So I lined my beds with compost last spring. And what I didn't realize was that I didn't give it the opportunity to um, be rained on, snowed on. This is why I really should have done it in the fall, though I didn't have the opportunity because I developed my new field in the spring to break down and further over that winter season, for example. So my plants, they grew, but they didn't grow, they didn't thrive like I would have hoped for. Also, we heard a lot about, you know, just compost being contaminated because if you're using manure um, from whatever, say, animal, you know, the grain that they're being fed, you know, was that grain sprayed with pesticides and flowers and veggies are super, super sensitive to that stuff. So I did see a lot, you know, as I was scrolling through social media, folks, especially in the Dahlia groups, I found that folks were asking the question of why do my plants look like this and I did experience that with uh, a lot of my like especially my dahlia starts is they just weren't growing and they had that yellow color and sure enough I, I do think it was the compost so I think you know be like anything before you you know make this huge move and investment in something is to really do your research and understand um, it's added value, but also some of the risks as well. So anyways, uh, there's the debate on compost and I'm not an expert by any level, but that's just kind of my perspective and my experience. And what I've, if anything, what I've learned is I really need to add that in the fall. But I think the most important message of all is we should all get soil samples to see what really needs to be amended to our soil or added to our soil. Yeah, so seek the advice of others. Your um, extension centers are usually a good resource and a great place to start. Well, flower friends, that's going to be a wrap on this week's update. Sorry, it's a bit of a ramble, but that's kind of where my head's at these days. And um, if you want to add to the conversation, please reach out. And I hope you have a great week. For this week's flower, fun fact from the Freckle Bloom Flower Kids is, did you know broccoli is a flower? And I got my fact from Google. Or that honey from All Under Blossoms is poisonous. And I got mine from 70 Fun Facts About Flowers. Thank you for listening. Well, that wraps up this episode. Thank you so much for joining in to the conversation. And together, all boats will rise and local flowers will be blooming fabulous in all of our communities. So if you are a fellow flower farmer that want to join in on the conversation, please reach out to us to get you scheduled for a podcast episode. And if you're just listening in and enjoy the podcast, please share with your friends, your family, and everybody you know. We really appreciate it. Thank you.